What's up, everyone? I'm Shaka Malik, and you're listening to Who Dropped the Popcorn Podcast. The premise is simple. One of us picks a film that we know the others haven't seen. We all watch it, and we come here to discuss it. Joining us tonight is Dave McHugh. Hello. Hello, Marky Mark. <laughs> Andy Newlands. Um, they told me, pa-rum-pum-pum-pum, <laughs> a newborn king to see, pa-rum-pum-pum-pum. <laughs> Our finest <laughs> gifts we bring per um pa pum pum. <laughs> That's quite a sudden ending. And Kyle Hammond. Shuffy don't like it. Do 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 <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Shuffy don't like it. And we have a very special guest with us tonight. The fifth member of our Beatles, the dog Tanyan to our Muskerhounds, the Scrappy Doo to our Scooby Doo, all the way from Singapore. It's the one and only. Marco Hanlon. Monsieur, with Yves Rocher, you're really spoiling us. Greetings, <laughs> <laughs> everyone. Good. Uh, <laughs> honored to join the team and to be a special guest on this wow. New Year special. Holy fuck. Yeah, it's, the, it's the New Year special that's taking place on the 4th of January. It uh, <laughs> gets released on <laughs> February the 16th. So, Mark, um, as we explained in the previous episode, but if you haven't heard that, Mark is basically the fifth member of our group. And when we first started the podcast, we asked him if he wanted to join us, but he had just had a uh, young little uh, man (laughs) uh, in his life. So he's actually come to visit us here in Jersey, um, even though he lives in Singapore. Mark, how are you feeling today? Yeah. Great, thank you. Obviously, delighted to join you guys on the call today. Mm-hmm. It's been great to be back home. I've known, obviously, you guys for 35 years, for some of mm-hmm. you, and probably about 30 years or around that kind of time for everyone else. So, it's amazing. Yeah, eh? Good old friends. Well, that's weird because we're all 25. So, there's <laughs> <laughs> my son, right? You, you live in Singapore. Yeah. How often do you watch films while you live there? Is it like, a, do you have a cinema quite close to you? Do you? Is it something you regularly do? Or is it now that you've got a child, it's something that's quite difficult for you to do? Yeah, I think the last two years since having a baby boy, it's been quite difficult to do, but there's loads of choice in cinemas in Singapore, all really mm-hmm. nearby, all late opening, and all very cheap compared to the UK. Nice. So there's a lot of, and you also get some kind of a more rare, Rare for you guys, I guess, Asian films that would be released that you probably wouldn't get released in the UK, probably in Man, main cinemas. Shafi forces us to watch them anyway, so we see them all. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a great place to watch films. Obviously, you've got a lot of choice on the streaming sites as well, including the Asian ones. Nice. So, regarding like the like release schedules, are they sort of in sync with when like Western countries get theirs? Or mostly same. Some can be before, some can be after. After you guys, right? Okay. But I, I'd say definitely. I, last two years, I haven't watched that many films. I would say I've, I've definitely watched a lot more, particularly in IMAX before having my first child. <laughs> nice. Right. What I've done is just sort of like a, an icebreaker i've basically put some questions together um and yes. I've, I've ripped this off um another podcast it's brett goldstein's movies to be buried with so if brett goldstein mm-hmm. hit, listens to this and wants to sue us just i apologize this comes from a place of love it's actually it's one of the best um movie podcasts out there so i'd recommend you to listen to it okay so mark what is the first film you remember seeing? The, the first film I remember seeing is Seven Brides for Seven Brothers because my grandparents made me watch it when I was a kid because <laughs> uh, 
after school they used to babysit me before my parents picked me up. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's 1954 film. Um, Don't you think it's beautiful? US film. Andy's Andy's gonna love it. Andy sounds like already excited to watch it. A bit too modern for me, but it'll do. Have you have you seen it recently? No, I haven't seen it recently. The last I saw it probably in the the 80s. It was on my grandparents had it on VHS. That's, all right. Name a film that made you cry. Mark doesn't I've cry. Said, Next question. <laughs> <laughs> I've said Forrest Gump here. I think there was a couple of moments in Forrest Gump that made me cry. <laughs> we watched that with you. We don't remember. We don't remember you crying. We watched that with you. I had to the show yeah, really? at the time. Was that when when Nixon pinched his ass? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember all the moments, but I think when like Lieutenant Dan losing his legs and all that. I think I don't know. There's other sad bits I remember. When he says like, "Is he smart?" and then she's like, "Yeah, he's smart." Oh, that that killed me that bit. Name a film that genuinely scared you. I went for The Exorcist with this one because I just thought some horror films can make you jump. I think there was something really weird about The Exorcist yeah. that made it a. Uh, a bit of a freaky, scary film. New legend. When did you first watch that? I think I probably watched it in the early 2000s, I think. Wow. Right, quite oh. late then. Shaffy um, watched it when he was seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the sort of childhood I was raised up on. Um, before that, I think, before that, I think Michael Jackson's thriller was the first right, thing yeah. that scared yeah, that's, me, I think. That made us all the, the, yeah, the, long, the long version. Yeah. With his eyes Coward. at the end where he goes, ah, ha, 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 ha. I used to hide behind the settee. <laughs> What's the film you think you've you've seen the most amount of times? And I don't laugh, but I think I think I've seen Commando. Oh yeah, the yes. amount of most of the times. <laughs> nice. Because I had I put on, I put on DVD and I reckon I've watched that so many times. It's just so easy <laughs> to put on. Yeah, we've so just got it in the background. <laughs> Is it a favourite of Denise's as well? Or? No, I don't think she's ever seen it. I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd ever put her through that. I think <laughs> resort. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, okay, right. So Denise is my wife, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Denise. Well done, Mark. You're really on board with like talking to listeners. Yeah, it's very good. If you're watching Commando, just notice that when they kind of burst into the room after you eat too much red meat, you'll notice they're kind of having sex, but the girl is actually behind the guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> really? Good time. Yeah. So long. Peg it. Yeah. Well Oh no one I mean, oh, Mark's Mark's like fucking I'll watch it every time. <laughs> well yeah, maybe it's best you don't show it to Denise then. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. Oh yeah. Um, what what's <laughs> a film? Way. What's a film you used to like but now dislike? Uh, I find this a tough question actually. But I went for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Ooh. I think when I first saw that, I thought it was great. And then when I watched it again, I thought just don't really like this film anymore. I just don't rate it. <laughs> I don't know why. What's put you off it? What, what I don't, is it I don't about? know. I just when I watched it again, I just thought this is a nothing film. I just didn't just didn't do anything for me. But I can't put my finger on why that is. Okay. I feel the same way about showgirls. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you like showgirls anymore? When I first saw it, I was like, this is absolutely amazing. And then you watch it again, you're like, this is the worst. This is the worst film I've ever seen. After you've made a mess, you're like, oh, actually, <laughs> this film's not very good. I suddenly wasn't interested 15 minutes after turning it on. <laughs> <laughs> what's, a, what's a film you used to dislike, but now you like? Blade Runner. So wow. I think the wow. first couple of times when I watched Blade Runner, I probably was just too young to get it or I just didn't appreciate it. But then that's a film that I rate now, which I didn't rate the first couple of times. Well. I, I think a lot of people watch it expecting a mad action film of like Terminator style, but it's not. It's, yeah, 
Legend Mark, the more I, I, I liked the first time I watched it, but I was a little bit disappointed. But it just gets better and better every time I watch it. I must have been 15 times now. I just yeah. love it more of every watch. I said in the June Sorry. episode that I'm not, can't get on with it, me. Maybe I need to watch it some more. I think I've watched it three times, but. Honestly, Kyle, give it another go. Me. It's so good. I'm the same. Mark, what is the sexiest film? <gasps> I went for uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, because, mate. Because I think Jessica Rabbit was so sexy in the film. Wow. Oh, yeah. I decided that was it. Can I just say, <laughs> she's in it like, she's in it for like 15 minutes. 20 minutes max. So Perfect. what were you doing for the rest of the film? <laughs> what were you doing for the rest of the film? Having a wipe over Bob Hoskins. <laughs> <laughs> Refractory period. Rewinding it. Oh, no. Can I just say so- something about Who Framed Roger Rabbit is that you, if you, uh, viewers, if you're listening to this, if you uh, look up like um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit B-roll, uh, it's basically you see the you see the the film without the special effects and without them adding the you know the cartoons on top of you know Bob Hoskins and all the live action actors and it looks like the most insane thing and you <laughs> it's the only that it's only then you realize how good Bob Hoskins is oh yeah 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 he's basically talking to a toy throughout <laughs> the throughout the whole filming of, of that of that film. That's so what Bruce Willis um, does as well, just on a green screen talking to a tennis ball. <laughs> just and then everyone else has to do it around. Uh, honestly, that's how he rolls now. What is objectively the best film ever made? So what's like a film that everyone says is the greatest film ever made and you're sort of like, you kind of nod and go, yeah, actually, I agree. That is one of the best films ever made. I would say The Godfather. Yeah. Nice. I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I can see why people would say that's the best film ever made. Nice. Okay. Whether it's whether it's an argument of number one, number two. Okay. And um, uh, what's the funniest film? Film makes you laugh most. I went. I went for Deuce Bigelow, Mel Gigolo. Yes. <laughs> Just because there are so many great one-liners and scenes <laughs> in that film. Amy Poehler so is good. amazing in that film, man. <laughs> I think that's the funniest <laughs> film. Final question: If you were to screen a film in heaven, what would it Ooh. be? So basically, with every inhabitant of heaven, they they give them a night to screen their own film. And tonight is your night in heaven. So they're going to say, Mark, we want you to screen any film of your choice. So what would you choose? Truman Show. Truman because Show. number one, I've always been I've always been a fan of that film. But then I also thought it would be quite ironic that you know, the Truman Show is <laughs> about someone trapped in <laughs> trapped in a reality <laughs> yeah. and there's nothing outside of it. But and then so some people might think, well, that's a bit like maybe they don't think there is a heaven. And then <laughs> it turns out to be there is one. So uh, that's what I'd go with. As Mark is our special guest tonight, we've been gi- we've given him the privilege of choosing our film for this episode. Mark has chosen 2020's Sound of Metal, written by Abram and Darius Marder, and directed by Darius Marder. The film centres around Reuben Stone, a drummer of a metal band who suffers from permanent hearing loss. He tries to readjust his life and settle in the deaf community. Mark, why did you choose this film? I chose this film because obviously it won an Academy Award. The title intrigued me and also the, the photo on the streaming service I was using to watch it. So, and, and also, I guess mistakenly, I didn't know the premise of the film, so I didn't know anything about it before I watched it, and I assumed it would be you know, a similar ilk to Whiplash just by the title and the, the photo of the film, but yeah. obviously it's not completely not akin to Whiplash at all. Yeah. No, it, it was nothing like I expected as well. By the way, um, Mark, this is a film that, I would say is probably my favorite film that I saw last year, even though it was released in 2020. So I'm glad you picked this film. 
Over to you, Andy. Um, care to recap this film, please? Hey, 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 what's that you say? It's Andy's articulate analysis. Sorry? <laughs> oh, my God. I did that joke last week and I just it out. <laughs> That's classic. That's a classic mm. joke. All right, so this mm-hmm. drummer, um, and he performs in this, uh, in this like, avant-garde metal duo called Black Gammon with his um, singer girlfriend, Lou. And they live in this RV and they, you know, this is their thing. They 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 tour the states and their their music's pretty crazy, like, you know, I don't know, not heavy metal, but sort of loud, fucking crazy music. And um on one of the gigs he starts to lose he starts to um notice that he's um like losing his hearing a bit and then um Basically, very early on in the film, it becomes clear that he's he's going deaf. So he's like, holy shit, like, he has to deal with that, obviously. So he tells his girlfriend, um, then it becomes apparent he's, um, he's like, used to be a heroin addict amongst an addicts to other things. So um, he wants to continue playing in the band, um, but Lou's like, no, we, we can't do this. Um, she's a bit concerned about him possibly slipping back into his addictive ways. So she manages to get him into this, um, I don't know what you'd call it, like um, sobriety shelter, I guess. It was rehab. Rehab. Um, And it's basically for, he goes there and it's for deaf individuals, like the deaf community. And he meets this, the leader of the place um, says that he has to stay. Lou Lou can't stay. And the leader makes it really clear that this um, place that he's going to isn't really about solving his hearing problems it's about coming to terms with it and learning how to how to be you know his new self and how to become integrated into the deaf community etc i won't go into this too much but on top of this there's i guess you could say like a spiritual element into it the, the very early on into the conversation with the chap he talks about the church and reuben and his girlfriend make it really clear they're not religious but the guy makes it really clear that the, that doesn't matter the church is there to, to help people so he's there and he's helping kids and he's um, coming to terms with his deafness, but also not coming to terms with his deafness as well. So on the one hand, you've got the community who are trying to help him move forward in his new life. Um, but he's just obsessed with getting his hearing back and getting back to his old life. That's his key focus, despite having opportunities in front of him that he perhaps doesn't quite see clearly at the time. Um, so he sells the RB that he was traveling around on his music equipment and he has an operation to put implants in his in his head the operation doesn't go as well as he'd hoped so he gets some hearing back but it's very tinny very static um and he's you know he's disappointed with that he then leaves the deaf community to go back and find lou finds lou and the relationship has they kind of realize you know very quickly that it's it's run its course she's kind of moved on a bit he realizes that they've gone as far as they can as a couple and that that ends and then he just goes off into the world on his own and at the end of the film he's outside a church and um he takes the hearing aids off and he is just in stillness and it harks back to a phrase that the chap who ran the deaf community said at the beginning where um, he was trying to get Reuben to sit in a room and find um, the kingdom of God through quietness and stillness and um, the film ends but it's it is a brilliant brilliant film 
and I haven't done it justice there. There was more religious stuff than I realised. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think there was anything really, other than the church offering to pay for him and stuff. I, that, after no, that, I, I didn't yeah, really I, notice much. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe this isn't the time, but I took huge amounts of religious quotes and experiences and opportunities from from this film. So yeah, man, that's that's my view on this film, and I'll talk a little bit more later on once you guys have. Dave, you said you just said that this wasn't the film that you were expecting it to be. So, what film were you expecting it to be, and what what you know? How how did it change your expectations? It's sort of it's again it's sort of back to my obsession with um, not watching trailers and not reading reading too much. Whereas I should go back to just reading the blurb on the back of a VHS in blockbusters before I rent it but yeah no i, I don't know because if you it, on amazon it says like violence sex nudity so i was like yeah this sounds great and it was not like that at all where the hell is the sex violence and nudity there's a moments where he loses his shit but this is quite a beautiful film and especially when he's like with with the sort of younger generation who are in the hearing um, classes, etc., it's it's a really warming film. So I just I didn't expect it to be quite so heartwarming. Yeah. Um, how about because um, Mark, you said the same thing that this film wasn't what you expected it to be. So did it turn your expectations in in a good way or or what? Yeah, I didn't read anything about the film before I watched it. I'd say I didn't find it. Obviously, I expected more excitement because of the title etc it was i found it quite a slow moving film not much well i don't think it was much of a score so it wasn't there wasn't that much excitement going on throughout the film but um can i just say one anecdote please there's one uh viewing of a film that i distinctly remember and it was the day i proposed to lizza and then i proposed to her and all that stuff and and then I went to see, <laughs> went to meet, meet up with Mark that evening and me and Mark watched Moon together. And Moon is about this astronaut <laughs> that lives by himself uh, on the moon and, you know, and, or, and then he kind of uncovers what, what's going on and all that stuff. And then, so I, We're I, all married I mean, men that, want to that's be. probably one of my favourite films, you know, one of my like, favourite sci-fi films. And then, so when I kind of left the cinema, I, I was like, really enthusiastic about it i was like oh Mark, that, was, that was a really good film and he was like yeah it was all right and i go what what didn't you like about it and he goes not enough tits and guns <laughs> <laughs> i know that was is that how you're summarizing this film <laughs> yeah never a true I... word said <laughs> what, what film has mark watched more than anything commando <laughs> kyle um you've said in a previous episode that you used to be in a band and it's sort yep. of uh, it's damaged your hearing. So, could you tell us about that? You know, tell the you know the the viewers about you know that experience and yeah, just you know just tin- just tinnitus really. So, um, wouldn't say my he- yeah, it's probably slightly quieter, but that might just be aging. You don't know, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So, you know, going to this film, the, the very end scene where he takes the implants out and he's just sat in dead silence. My ears then were just going. Are you, ser- are you serious? Yeah, because well, I was watching it late at night, so it only doesn't happen during the day. It's only really cl- like at night when I'm tired. So, yeah, like just a baby driver here. Yeah, so <laughs> it was just. <laughs> so you say so it's constantly like a ringing in your head. In no, your, it's, uh... no, no, it's it's only kind of late at night. Yeah, when we're okay. in bed. It's quite annoying. It's yeah, less background noise. Yeah, 
So is that something you know you noticed as you were in the band, or was it just? No, it's only been the last probably like six months before COVID started. So that's two and a half, three years maybe. Holy shit balls! Ah, this is going to sound like a really dumb question, but is there like a particular part of the music that would that's probably caused the damage? Or yeah, I think so. So we used to rehearse in a, a tiny basement. And it's funny because uh, it's not ideal because you come, you'd leave all your gear there, and you'd come back and it'd like be wet. <laughs> like obviously the condensation, and then you plug it in. You're like, should we be playing this equipment while it's wet? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, the singer used to hit certain notes. He used to make my eardrum like wobble. Like, oh god, the, sing- so the singer, loud. the singer. Yeah, he used to like because you, you'd obviously got your your monitors and stuff. He'd hit a certain frequency, just cause my ears just to go fucking. Jeez, that's mad, man. Yeah. I once got my my life's pretty rock and roll. I once got a little overzealous with a cotton tip and pushed it too far. And sometimes I do get a bit of a ringing in my. Where did you push it up, though? <laughs> Dave probably did it in my mum's house because every time he comes to my mum's house, he comes and he gets the cotton buds out first thing, starts cleaning his ears. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine my you just mom... there at the front door, wait it's... with a with a box of them, going, "Here you go, Dave." <laughs> yeah, it's true, right, Dave? Yeah, that does bring a strange part. I wasn't allowed cotton buds. They were considered too dangerous in my household. <laughs> I think that's why I sort of overdid it. You know, like when Would your parents you tell you not something? to do something, you're like, I'm like fucking, now that I'm an adult, I'm going to fucking use two at a time. And I kind of permanently damaged my ears. So maybe mumsy was right. Viewers, listen to your mum, no matter how old you are. Okay, anyway. So we have, we have a drummer amongst our ranks, Shuffy. Did you know that? Uh, Dave. Dave, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah I, I so how long were you drumming I, for? I can just about play a snare drum, just year seven. It was so stupid. Like, again, a, a life decision. That I would... So first I signed up to play the sax on my phone, which would be quite oh, yes. cool. I was like, yeah, sax on my phone. And then <laughs> I was like, no, Mate, you, you no, could we're... now be the guy from uh, Lost Boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my What's God, he called? <laughs> God knows. <laughs> Just Mr. 80s, that's all you need to know. Mr. 80s, viewers, please listen to the sax for song from uh, The Lost Boys. It's it, I so still good. believe it's called or something. <laughs> yeah. Buckaroo Bonsai. Yeah. Oh, the opening. Honestly, that's honestly just when you're driving to work, just do some cocaine and listen to that and you're going to have a good day at work. Oh, mate. That's it. Tim Capello, <laughs> I still believe. Okay, so back to you, Andy. Um, <laughs> hello. Hello, back everybody. To the film. Back to the film. What do you think this film was about then? What's your take on it? I think it was about a man's opportunity to get closer to the kingdom of God and a resurrection. And I think it was about his, let's let's say it like this, his first life was just disorientating. He didn't really know what he was doing, where he was going. And he was given an opportunity. I don't know if you noticed this, but in the film, I only saw the character of Ruben smile or laugh or really really seemed like he was enjoying himself once and it was when he was outside in the field playing uh, and teaching the children yeah. and the rest of the film even though he was following his dream let's say you know touring with the rv being with lou playing the drums etc he never really looked like he was enjoying anything and i know that's part of an addict personality but um i think it's about resurrection and creating a a a new self like that bit at the end for me seemed you know the fact he was outside of a church and all the disorienting noise going on around him and he just stopped and it seemed like he just accepted his fate and he just sat there in the present in the stillness 
And that links back to the gentleman who was running that centre when he said, have you ever, when he was in the, you know, that bit where he was going to the room every day and he was oh, told yeah, just yeah. to just sit in a room and write. You know, that was, that, that I guess was a tool to connect. I might be wrong. What Andy was, was saying was that, so Joe gives Ruben a task to do, do every day and he, he says, okay, you wake up early in the morning, don't you? He says, yes. And he says, okay, so you wake up early in the morning, you go into this room, we're going to give you coffee. And I just, he says, I just want you to sit. I just want you to sit, okay? And if you can't, if there might be a moment where you can't sit still, you can't, so... When you do that, you start writing, not drawing, but writing. Uh, and then if you, can't, if you can't even take that, then come and see me. That's what he says. I don't see how the film is anything other than this, because like the character of Joe is central to this. Like, as you say, the tasks that he's done and like even when Ruben's like fixing the house, he's like, you don't need to fix anything here. He's like, yeah, you're just um, deflecting for your problems. Yeah, exactly. Like you've got to, you've got to sort out your, um, your inner mind. And then there's like, I wrote like loads and loads of phrases down from the film where he's talking about like the world keeps moving. It could be a damn cool place. And he keeps going back to um, the kingdom of God and that place will never abandon you. But Ruben, like, I, I found he, it quite hard to... God? Did I just completely miss those lines then? No, I, th- I think, I don't think he only mentions God until that particular line. I found it was the third part because when, when they got to the centre, it was a imme- they were immediately talking about, it was really obvious, like it was, um, it was um, not like a, a cult, but it was very clear that there were religious, like the leaders of this place were from the church. The church was very involved in it. That's how, that's how I took it, because Joe seemed to be a kind of spiritual guy to um, Reuben. Well, if I may, do you know who he actually reminds me of with both his look? Is He actually reminded me of Russell Means. I've no idea who that is. If that's not crazy, he really reminded me of Russell Means and everything. Who's Russell Means? That's Chingachuk. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I also thought yeah. he had some kind of Native American yeah. resemblance to him. And also I thought he was something like almost like shaman-like. Yeah, the way yeah. he spoke and stuff. So I really, it's, 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 I really yeah, voice. his character. Yeah. Yeah, his accent. Yeah. 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 I agree with you, I was, Dave. I was blown away, honestly. Paul Racy, his name? He was yeah, he was nominated for an Oscar, wasn't he, for his performance? He was nominated for an Oscar. He actually was raised up in a with by two deaf parents, so his first language was ASL. Yeah, yeah, he can hear. Well, um, his first language um, as a kid was ASL. Does anyone have any sort of opposing opinions to Andy about what the film means? Yeah, I don't think it's about Christ and stuff at all, man. I think it's just. It's more about his identity. So the issue I had was that the, the character of Joe kind of linked his hearing to his addict, his addictions. And yeah. then at the end where he says, I want to get my hearing back, he's like, you just sound like an addict to me. And I was like, no, the guy just wants to get his hearing back. It doesn't mean if he gets his hearing back, he's all of a sudden going to go back on the smack. I just thought that that scene, I felt that scene I was a bit, I don't get no, what, I think what's happening here. It's, it's, not addicted, it's not addicted to hearing. It just sounds like something that you think you want in life, but you don't actually need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I but I know that a lot of but, the deaf community, the, well, the deaf community do not see it as a disability at all. Yeah. yeah so quite, I think they're just thing. like, yeah, well, yeah, of course. But I think they're just very much like, oh, yeah. You know, you don't need it. So why would you go, go and get it? So a, bit, a little behind the scenes um, bit, uh, nugget for you guys that um, the writer director said that he 
he did sort of he did like huge pages uh, like like lots and lots of pages of every character and he said that uh, the character of joe was actually a previous previously an addict so i think the fact he he sort of recognizes straight away when he first meets ruben he says are you an addict he knows mm. how addicts yeah. how, how addicts you know behave mm-hmm. so yeah. the fact that when, when he comes back to him in that in you know and sits at a table with him he know he recognizes that behavior straight away um so you think it's about yeah, that, that guy was amazing yeah he was brilliant and that that's such a sort of powerful scene when you can see like it's breaking joe's heart to like tell him that he needs to pack up his stuff and go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, how, how about you, Mark? Are you sort of siding with anyone or do you, do you have your own sort of thoughts about, I mean, what one thing just before I sort of go to Mark, these are the types of films I love where you can watch a film and it's not necessarily that Andy's sort of take on it is wrong and Kyle's taking it as wrong, but you can watch a film and it depends on the person you are. You, you, you're going to kind of take, take away your own interpretation of it. And I love films like that. You know, it's like, what, you know, Jellicatu, you know, we, you know, we kind of looked at the film sort of in that different, you know, perspectives. And yeah, I, I you know, I love films like this where yeah. you kind of hear, you hear something from someone, you're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. See, it's interesting that because, um, just before we go to Mark, I, like when I was, at, well, I know we were all at Della Selva. I was fortunate enough to go away with the Lazalian brothers on a um, on a trip to Africa, and we were in in a group of about twelve of us, and it was run by one of the brothers. And it was the only time ever where we'd be sitting, like you know, after a day doing whatever we were doing, sat sat in a group of 10, 12 people in the complete silence of the night, and conversation, you know, goes from A to B to C, and then it would comes down to spirituality. So it might be my own experiences of being in a group like this, in a situation kind of like this, that's made me kind of formulate my thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. And yeah, then I watched Star Wars for 10 years and became a pendulum. So. <laughs> anyway, over mm-hmm. to Mark. No, no, th- thanks, Andy. Um, what, what about you, Mark? If, if, do you like side with anyone's opinion or is it, have you got your own take on it? I think, I mean, I didn't see that much hidden meaning in the film. I, I more took away from my side for me the film to to me it meant more about dealing with mental health to be honest than anything else so and like anxiety because it was i don't know there's a lot of he was obviously at peace at the end once he'd taken off the i think the cochlear implants yeah but before then he he seemed very skittish and anxious about everything throughout the film and And the girlfriend did as well didn't she which they made reference to. Yes, that's like a theme of the film, I think, is probably codependency, right? Yeah. And which is part of why he wants to fix the hearing. He wants to get the band back is to sort of be with her yeah. because that's sort of like a, another crutch for him. Yeah, I completely agreed. And yeah, obviously it was a huge contrast between after he had the implants, the noise that was coming through, like just street noise, traffic noise was causes huge anxiety. And then how or much of peace he was yeah. without that. And then... Maybe yeah. some of the anxiety at the start of the film was because obviously he was an addict, but I think he'd been driving, I think you said, for four years. But he seemed very anxious and skittish, like he was having withdrawal symptoms throughout the whole film, apart from in those kind of parts where he's at peace. So for me, it was more around mental health 
and also a kind of appreciation of you know what if you did have if you did lose your hearing and you were a musician how devastating that would be i also felt i was so gutted for him after he had the after he had the implants and then he went to see the doctor and she switched it on yeah. and how rubbish he was I was like oh yeah. my god yeah. this, oh this is why i was so gutted for him that is a myth though so yeah i did a bit of research they don't sound as bad as that in real life it doesn't sound 100% correct. I, I heard it's different for different people. That's what I've heard. People that have got hearing in one ear and not the other, they can compare the two and they say, mm. yeah, it's, it's not quite right, but it's nowhere near as bad as what this film makes out. But, you know, it's artistic license and stuff. But I, once, I was once in a supermarket and there's a woman in, in the queue in front of me who had the implants. Wow. And it fell out and just completely smashed on the floor. Oh, no. I, yeah, wow. I, was just like, I was just like staring going, holy fuck, what the fuck has gone on? But she just, I had to laugh because she was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> There's someone, someone pushing the button, uh, clean it to aisle five. Clean it to aisle five. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she just picked it up, put it in her pocket and thought, NHS will sort this. It's all right. What did you think, Saf? What's your take on it? Well, I, I'm sort of in agreement with everyone in the fact that I think, for me, like this, this film spoke to me because... I think something I sort of struggle with is mindfulness. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how like familiar you guys are with that concept, but um, yeah. you, like every, it feels like if I'm not with Lizra and the kids, because like every other minute I've got my sort of like headphones on and I'm trying to have some sort of background noise against what I'm doing. Sometimes I think it is, and you know, going into this year, 2022, I think I'll, I want to try and do that. I want to try and sort of be more mindful and sort of take in the surroundings. Talk. Like take, yeah, take take in the. That's the thing because that we're we're filled with distractions, you know, and even we're carrying around a big distraction. And we carry our and our phone, but and yeah. also when you're on your phone, there are other apps that would distract you from what you want to do on the phone. Yeah. I don't like the conscious decision that I make to not look at my phone. So even that I feel like is disrupting it. I'd rather it wasn't even in my pocket, if you know what I mean. But the thing is, is that you, yeah. that's the thing. I've always got a a noise, like a something that's sort of in my head and to rather than sort of just focus and just be, um, you know, and sort of just be alone with my own thoughts. I can't do, I, some, I struggle to do that sometimes. It always comes down and I'll be like lying in a pitch black room just staring at the ceiling. And she'll be mm-hmm. like, what the fuck are you doing? As if I'm insane. Well, I think that's a great practice. That's meditation that. though. That's meditation <laughs> yeah. though, isn't it? I know, you know? yeah. And that's the I thing, that, that's, that actually is something that, that they say actually is one of those things that beats anxiety and, you know, is something Absolutely. that helps with your, well, not beats oh it, but man, it helps you manage your anxiety. Shafi, Shafi, seriously, man, like, just go and sit in Howard Davis Park. You are a stone thrower in Howard Davis Park. Just go and sit there by the water, water fountain and sit there and don't do anything. And you'll have this moment, because I do it, and you'll have this moment where are people going to think I'm a bit weird for just sitting here doing nothing? Why isn't he on his phone answering emails, listening to a podcast whilst watching Netflix? Like, just go there without your phone and sit yeah. there by the fountain in the garden bit and do nothing for half an Don't hour. take 12 cans of breeder, though, because that's <laughs> defeats the point. <laughs> and talk to some tramps. 
One of the only times that I don't look at my phone is when I'm like outdoors. Yeah. When I'm outdoors, I just don't get the urge to look at my phone. It's weird. And Laura's always going, you're not taking any photos. It's like, I forgot I had my phone. Yeah. Whereas when I'm at work at home, I'm like, do a bit of work for five minutes. Oh, I'll just look at my phone. <laughs> yeah, that's cheeky. Yeah. That's just, yeah, that's a little bit cheeky. But yeah, I, th- I think, you know, it's it's sort of like, mm, you know, and I'm, I'm not I'm not sort of comparing myself to an addict, or maybe I am, but I understand that there may be a, a fear of, just being alone like without any noise if you, know, you get what i mean is in your just it's just your own your own thoughts that, and that's what my sort of take of it is that he you know he's an addict he you know there's a there's a film called thumbsucker um where what he does is it's this um kid who's who's trying to get over the indi- addiction of sucking his thumb so what he does he tries to sort of he tries to like take up different habits in order to kind of get rid of that habit, you know, and in a way, this <laughs> just drinks and <laughs> just yeah. does smack. Yeah. So <laughs> the thing is, is that you know, with with from from my sort of take on this, is that he's an addict. He joined a, a metal band, and he's in this sort of codependent relationship because he wants to just fill his life, his head with noise. And you know, what, what this film for, for me isn't really about, you know becoming deaf it's about being sort of stripped away with of all the things that are sort of external and just sort of being as internal as 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 possible so uh, oh, yeah. that's my take mate mark Shafi, before you got on we were actually talking about just how you yeah. take to the next level and may I congratulate you? Just got you ten levels, up, mate. Ten levels. Well, anyway, that's my take on it. But I, I, you, you know, can't praise Shafi as you're taking a piss, Dave. <laughs> oh. Dave was just praising you whilst holding his knob and having a piss. Listen back to that. He literally got his <laughs> knob out and went, "Oh, <laughs> Shafi, oh, you, every time. That's the only way he can take a piss is he says my name out loud. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Oh, oh fucking hell. That is outrageous. Right, we need to tell a few jokes. It's gone too. Uh... <laughs> no, Shafi, you always bring it down. Sorry, no, I'm sorry. That was the best sorry bit of the podcast. To... Is, are there any other roles by Riz Ahmed that anyone wants to sort of shout out or anything like that? Robert Dingy Rappin's brother. <laughs> yes. Four Lions, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is the best film ever. Filmed in the mean streets of Sheffield, mate, yeah. You look confused, brother. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bomb the mosque. What? <laughs> what? Outrageous! You well, fucking we need to Are you fucking 56. mad? So, so what? So what? What? What is he, lads? Is he a person or is he a fucking Zalfrazy? <laughs> I just, I just love the bravery of making the film like that. It's just so good. What are you going to write a comedy about? Um, <laughs> kind of extremism. It's like it's just only. Oh my god! I've got his name. What's his name? Oh, oh are you in Chris Come Morris? On. Yeah, I, I like who else is going to write that? With that, it's just genius. Chris Morris, just oh, take a bow, mate. Take a bow. I love how the London Marathon is round Attercliffe in Sheffield, which is like <laughs> the red light district of Sheffield, but they're like, just casting <laughs> yeah, it off as London for the London Marathon. <laughs> I know it well, Carl. I know it well. <laughs> what, what did you think of uh, his drumming performance of the film, Carl? So he, yeah, I read he. So he learned. He actually learned sign language, didn't he? Like, um, obviously, not like a. I'm guessing he's learned as much as he could. And he did learn some drumming, you can tell, because uh, you can tell when someone's really doing it or not, because when he's hitting the drum, you can see it's syncing up with the sound. Interesting point is he, he plays left-handed as well, and then when he's doing his writing later on, he's writing oh, his yeah, left-handed, so... Um, yeah, I know. left-handed, well, yeah. That kind of... It's just so difficult, isn't it? Olivia Cook um, did all the vocals, and she actually learned, like, 
guitar and the distortion pedals and everything as well. Oh, cool. So that's actually a live performance from them. He learned a lot of his rhythm from uh, Matt Damon in Jason Bourne. <laughs> so I just want to shout out to Matt Damon. Did he? He's in Jason Bourne, isn't he? God damn right. How about you, uh, Mark? How sort of familiar are you with Riz Ahmed? I don't think I've seen him in any other films. I don't think I've seen anything wow. he's been in. Well, what else has he been in? So, yeah, can I, um, can I do my Riz Ahmed, like, kind of go off on one where I kind of, I tell you about how when I first discovered him and that I've been following his career. Yeah, he's a, he, because uh, he's, he's a rapper as well. His, yeah. his rap name is Riz MC. Um, and he's also a, an Oxford graduate as well. Oh, um, wow. but, Can um, I do the song, the song intro for this then? Okay. All right, all right, three, two, one. Jizz about Riz. It's Jizz about Riz. It's time for Shafi to Jizz about Riz. Oh. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gary Neville. And Carl, you do some music. <laughs> Gary Neville. All right. Why does Shafi get to do this and not any of us? This is well, kind because, of um, Because you, I've just asked you guys, and you go, like, one of you said, Four lions. Mark doesn't know who he is, and I just look him up on Google. <laughs> That's fucking why. I, I don't know. It just kind of seems weird that sh- it feels wrong that Shappy's doing it. I feel like. Are you being racist? I'm trying to be woke. I'm trying to be don't woke. Say, don't, don't say woke, Dave, for fuck's sake. It, it just seems wrong that we're like, uh. <laughs> that, we're why are you like, getting so fucking Dave, Larry I, with Sheffy? I'm not. I thought, da- I thought Dave said, I thought Dave said, I'm being both, as in he's being racist <laughs> and not racist. <laughs> I do cross that bridge some days. But no, I'm just like, it just seems weird. It's just, everyone's going to be like, all, with all the viewers, they're going to be like, oh, well, obviously Shafi was the one that loved him the most. And I feel like I could do it if, if you give it a bit of time and I can read his Wikipedia page quickly. It just seems <laughs> no, but I'll tell you. I'll, let me just tell, Let me just tell you. So, I first, years and years ago, I saw a film called um, Escape from Guantanamo. That's a film that's sort of like part documentary, part, you know, as an actor sort of acting out what actually happened. But it was about some kids from the north that somehow ended up in Afghanistan and they end up sort of being accused of terrorism and they end up in Guantanamo Bay. It's not Harold and Kumar too, but, um, but it's a real, it happened, it happened in real life to, to these kids. And one of the, those people is actually played, played by Riza. And the thing is, is that, you know, they're not sort of like huge roles because there's lots of like talking heads, you know, the actual real life people narrating exactly what actually happened. But there's one particular scene where a guard is sort of, you know, doing the patrol around Guantanamo Bay. And then, he hears Riz Ahmed start rapping, and then he uh, the, the guard asks Riz Ahmed to do a rap, and then he starts like doing doing a rap and stuff. And then I was like, and somehow that I just remember that particular scene from that film. So then, like, what happened was that I watched there's a film like a few years later called Shifty. Have you guys heard of that? It's like it's basically like a small. No. Only because you told me about it. Yeah. Um, have you seen it yet? Or? No, sorry. But you told me I must watch it. So sorry for not watching it. Yeah. So he, he uh, plays a drug dealer in that film in London, where his um, that friend from Manchester comes and visits him. And there's a scene where he's, I think he's like doing, he's, he's, he's selling some drugs. And then someone, the person that he's selling drugs to says that, oh, he, she, she gets kind of annoyed that there's someone, there's someone next door that's like making lots of loud noise. So what it's the sort of long sequence where he basically he, he puts his hoodie on and then he sort of like slowly creeps to the apartment next door and he he sort of kind of he like very calmly but threateningly tells like 
this this person to to put their their turn the music down, and then he says, and also if you want any weed, come you know give me give me a call. But I, I remember sort of watching that scene, thinking, well, that guy's like a movie star. Like he like mm-hmm. it's like it's like one of those scenes where you kind of it's like you know um, Dave will know it's like. Um, Dan Stevens and the guest where you know oh. uh, like you watch that and go well that you know he's a, it's a, that's a, like a movie star making why is Dan Stevens not more famous Shafi yeah can I you know, explain this I to know. me I just don't get it he is every quality of a movie star he is yeah, yeah, yeah. so good he can de- like oh mate the way he can just deliver a line I'm a friend of the family and it's just oh yeah mate. That, that that performance is spot oh. on but, um, oh my god, that's one of my top five man crushes. Oh, he was great in that X Men thing, which I forgot the name of. What was the X Men thing he was in? Show? Oh, the Legion. Is it Legion? Yeah, Legion. Yeah, he was great in that. Yeah, he yeah. is. He is so good in everything. And honestly, viewers, if you haven't watched um, the guest, just watch it. It's yeah, so, it's good. Yeah, he was it's in that. So- U- Apparently, he he's really good in that Eurovision film as well. Oh shit! Yeah, I watched that um, when it came out. Yeah, that is really good. I haven't seen it. It's a Will Ferrell. Oh god, Eurovision yeah. film. Yeah, <laughs> is it shit? It's the film shit though. But he's just great in it. I thought or... it was all right. It's one of those usual things where it's quite funny for, and then just tails off at the end. Right, the fight scene in the bar in The Guest is one of my favorite bar fights. It's so good. You Do know, I bar. look like I want to buy them beers? <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, back to Riz Ahmed. Me and Dave watched a film called Nightcrawler. And then I was like, oh my God, that's like, he's in American films now. I was like, really like a surprise. But then I guess that was after Four Lions, isn't it? That's been in my, that's been in my Netflix queue for years. Mate. I'll get, I'll get around to it eventually, yeah. It's almost cliche to say how good um, Donnie Darko is in that. He is, he is brilliant. I didn't appreciate how good that film was at first. Yeah, Shaky same as yeah. No, well, no, you, I, you, you I, bigged it up more than I did. So I, I think I had yeah. been drinking quite heavily before at the cinema, but you nailed it. And I was a bit like, hmm. But, oh, mate, when you watch it back, just lines like, I don't think I've ever sworn in front of a, an employer before and stuff. He just delivers them so, so well. Oh, mate. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Kyle, his like his um, first, yeah and then Riz Ahmed's like breakout role was like the night of I'm guessing Mark have you seen the night of I, th- I haven't it's a TV series right yeah so I thought you'd seen it that's why I was asking you but, um, no I've, I think I had access to it but I didn't watch it yeah actually surely Rogue One was where he first came into like mainstream movie. yeah I guess oh so, yeah but... I, mean, I know you say that I remember in Rogue One yeah but that's that's a small quite, quite, small, quite a small role that was great with blonde hair I think it blonde hair when you see Shafi, fuck the mindfulness for your uh, New Year's resolution. Learn to play drums, get a hair transplant and dye it blonde. Honestly, man, you, you look badass. I you look badass. I don't, I don't think I could get the six pack that he's got. He's got like a proper, he's like properly ripped in that film. Get Mark to be your PT, man. Mark, Mark's ripped. I was going to ask you, what was the, what did this film win an Academy Award for then? Sound editing. Okay. Hmm. So this, this was the first film that Laura's, well, she watched half of it and then fell asleep. But... <laughs> what did she think of it? Yeah, she thought it was good, but you know the when he goes deaf and there's the rumbling noises and she didn't like it. She's like, oh, it's making me feel weird. It's, it does, really it? it's are, like It's very you are quite with, disconcerting. You're really yeah. with them. You're like, oh, God, this is so nuts. And you just think, fuck me, I just paid 40 grand for this. I'd be like, no, no, oh. I'm talking about bef- I'm talking about before when he's just the low rumbling kind of sound. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, honestly, yeah. You really, it's horrible. You really feel like you're you're with him in that. It's like, oh fuck. What's mad yeah. though is is how quick it was. He just has it once and then it happens yeah, again, man. and then that's it. You can't hear. 
Whereas I so, thought it would have been more more of a, probably, probably a gradual decline. I mean, possibly it was a gradual decline, but it's just that it's you know it's it be maybe that that was edited down so that it's just to get mm. to the, to the they, crux of it. I also didn't like how they, they didn't tell you what caused it. Okay, cool. Um, any anything else that anyone wants to say or? Yes. Um, so Joe Bank called Alt J. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, no, I'm 38. Yeah. yeah, so the drummer from Alt-J has um, 20% hearing. Wow. Jaffa, you're aware of Alt-J, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I'm quite aware of them, actually. <sighs> Are they a modern band? No, like 10 years. Yeah. Um, so he... <laughs> By the way, the idea of, da- of uh, when Dave says a modern band, it's actually 20, <laughs> within 20 years, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it consists yeah, like... of Brian Ferry. Yeah, post Oasis. Uh, I love all the new stuff, Pearl Jam, Nirvana. I'm into that shit. I love it. Can't get enough of that modern shit. I think you know some of their songs, Dave, but you just you just don't you don't realize you know them. Anyway, so he is the drummer and like the main songwriter for the band, and he has a disease, which means that the series is getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah, he still manages to be a drummer in a band. If you listen to the to the band though, his drums are very kind of high pitched hip hop kind of uh, sound, and that's so. They can cut through the music so we can hear them. Right. So the the co-writer Darius Darius Marder's brother, uh, he uh, Abraham Marder, he I think he's still in a band. Or he was in a uh, like an, a metal band, and what happened is he got mugged and he got beaten up quite badly. That he was just sort of physically fucked. And so the director actually said, "Well, why don't you co-write this the script to me about about this idea I've got." And it was sort of like a bit of catharsis for him to sort of get over this sort of trauma that, that he um, the experienced. Anything else? I could surprise and... Dave's not mentioned the dad yet. Yeah. Lou's dad. Dominic Green from Quantum of Solid. He's in a really good film called Diving Bell and the Butterfly. If anyone wants to watch that. I mean, anyone wants to check that out. That's a, that's a brilliant film. And um, yeah, that last sort of 20 minutes is kind of, it's really heartbreaking. But it's sort of... It's quite nice at the same time. It's weird, isn't it? I, yeah. I think it's quite nice. Yeah, I, I like the fact that he, yes. like R- Riz, uh, uh, Ruben is the one that says, I'll be okay. Yes. Like he, he's the one mm. that sort of, um, he kind of acknowledges it, you know. Yeah, yeah man. He knows. Yeah. It's such a French yeah. house. They're all cooking when they arrive and stuff. I love that. Do you think he went back afterwards? Then he went back to the the retreat, Joe. Well, they would no, nah, they wouldn't let him in, would they? Unless he kind of proper threw away those. Well, I, I think I think taking out of his implants is him saying, "I've had enough yeah, of yeah, this." Yeah, yeah, mm, possibly, maybe. yeah. Maybe I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went back. That little teaching job that was good. And they they mm. yeah they offered him yeah he yeah. Joe offers him a job, doesn't he? he yeah, yeah he there. was really happy there. He was as I say, it was the only time you saw him light up during the whole film. That teacher was uh, in the Eternals film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's definitely alive. Yeah. See that that for me that scene where they're talking, just just together, like we were talking about it earlier. I thought that really made the film for me. Certain scenes in films like that where it's just two people talking back and forth like that, and it's just it really is incredible. You really feel like how how do you write this stuff? It's kind of like so. Um, which scene? Which scene between who? When he's like, you have to leave now, and yeah, you know, yeah, we, yeah. we don't yeah. see this as, as well. A, it's sort, yeah. it's sort of the, it's the cent, it's the centerpiece of the film, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 like, like, yeah. when you say that. Without that scene, I think this film is a sort of seven and a half out of ten. But with that scene, it's a 
kind of nine and a half out of ten. There's something about it, and it's quite. It did. It even though it's completely different, it reminded me a bit of Hunger, where yeah. Liam Cunning, yeah. where Liam Cunningham and um, uh, Michael Fassbender are talking. Just and it's just these sort of scenes just blow me away. I can't deal with it. How real it is when you just sort of watch them back and forth, and it's just like fucking hell. How do you write that stuff? How do you write two people having such a serious conversation? Like, how do you write that where it's oh, I just it's, it's to me it's the most impressive type of writing. I just I adore it. Well, it's funny you bring up hunger because it does kind of make a good well an interesting double bill with this film because. Like, like, as you said, a lot of that, a lot of hunger takes place without dialogue, which is similar to this film, you know, and then it's only basically, and then when it gets to that point in hunger, that's like a 20, that's like a 20 minute dialogue scene. So it basically makes up for the the lack of dialogue at the beginning of the film. And I like this film that, you know, a lot of this film doesn't have any dialogue. That's that's really, yeah. Honestly, that's a really good point. I had no idea why my mind went that way. And it might, yeah, I just thought, it just reminded me of when you have a, just a scene with two people and it feels like somehow you're just sitting there. It, it's almost like, it can sound really pretentious here, but it's almost like not watching a film. It feels like you're, you're just flat, sitting you're, there. You're an yeah, inquiring on on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah, the only yeah. other person watching it. And it, it's just, fuck me, man. Viewers, if any of you will ever get the chance, probably not to see the episode of Cracker with... Um, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, well, That's a great Liam, show. With Liam Cunningham. If you can ever watch the show, the, the version of Cracker with Liam Cunningham, that is some of the best. That is, I want to meet him. I want to meet him and say that's one of the best acting performances I've ever seen. That's Game Honestly. of Thrones, Liam Cunningham, yeah? Yeah, Liam Cunningham. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. The episode, this episode of Cracker is unbelievable. It is fucking... Oh, it's just too good for words. His acting is off the chain. Yeah. <sighs> Mate, yeah. And actually, just... Watch not enough every, people talk about not not enough people not, talk about cracker. It's 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 because it, I think this is an ITV. It's the only decent show to ever be on ITV except Harry Hill's TV. But it is fucking <laughs> uh, gladiators, <laughs> mate. Gladiators. Oh, oh, sorry, <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah, mate, what about kick. every Michael Barrymore? The dumbass has woken up. There he is. Gladiator, Playwatch, Playwatch, Strike yeah. It Lucky, Strike Great It Rich. Shows. Oh, Great shows. The guy, oh, the guy in his swimming pool didn't strike it lucky, about? did he? When he <laughs> Wasn't him, mate. Wasn't him. Fuck he didn't yeah, do anything. I'm not guilty. Not guilty. You're the fucking, you're the dickhead talking about seven cotton buds up your ass. Just for the viewers, so that you guys can see that, <laughs> <laughs> that Andy's changed his background to the actual bus. Yeah, so I want to talk about the RV. Oh, yeah. Need to get one of these motorhomes and do a tour of the US when we're famous on this pod. Well, Andy, do oh. your car bit then so the um, the men and women can, can listen to you talk about cars. So, um, <laughs> they got a recording studio in an Airstream 345 motorhome. So look this thing up because if you want to travel across the states, this is the vehicle to do it in. That's all yes, I say. Legend. It's yeah. it's fucking quality. This thing. it 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 is an absolute thing of beauty, isn't it? It is. It is, it is just so. What? How do you know? Oh, uh, because it was in the film. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this podcast, Shafi, we have to watch the film, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I mean, I'm just quite surprised. You sound like you've 
like actually lived in the thing. The fact you the way you're talking about it. <laughs> it's very it's fucking fucking no brilliant. Airstreams. Yeah, it it kind of looks futuristic and old fashioned at the same time. I was blown away, and I always think about that. If I won the lottery. I might just disappear and just drive around America. Uh, Dave, you have to get a license. You have to learn to drive first, mate. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So I think I could get a fake one if I'm a millionaire. So don't worry about it. (laughs) Or or I'll just hire someone to. What was that fake fake license you had at UniFed? What was your name? (laughs) (laughs) McLovin. (laughs) (laughs) Dave Dave McLovin. Um, Or I could just hire someone to drive it whilst I get shit face on Jack Daniels and drive around America. That's probably, that's probably the, that's the, that sounds like the shittest driving Miss Daisy film ever. <laughs> driving <laughs> Dave McHugh. <laughs> <laughs> just drunk in the back of an RV while, while Morgan Freeman drives him around. <laughs> just didn't see was, any of America for 10 months. It was at this time when Dave McHugh threw up on himself and I decided to Oh. And, and he woke up in a pile of his own piss. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, contact it's Morgan a... Freeman and see if you'll sign up as well. <laughs> yeah, it was a kind of, you know, just a nice fantasy project like Woody's Wonderland. He won't want a big paycheck just to work with me. Yeah, I think that's a fucking really nice looking motorhome. Breach the Breaking Bad. Absolutely right. It's the famous motorhomes in, in film or Ooh. TV. Yeah. Yeah, it is beautiful. Um, Mark, is there anything else you want to say about this film? Strings your choice. I think just I think you just alluded to it with every if I ruined the golden word there or so I've done a word that shouldn't come out. You alluded to it earlier, I think, Shappy, that there isn't a whole lot of dialogue in this film. <clears throat> there isn't much of a unless I'm wrong, there isn't much of a score. Um it's more of a noise, isn't it? Like the, the yeah, hums and stuff, yeah. Uh, it's I thought it was really slow paced and yeah, I, just, I guess you're just surprised that there wasn't that much dialogue. Did you like it? But, I, but I, for me, I mean, I loved some of the some of the scenes that were shot. I think were were done really nicely. Some of the there's some great close-ups and some great like, wide views. But um, I think for me, I, I was always glad the ending. I thought the ending was very good. I, I appreciate the ending. I thought that was a good way to end the film. But I think ultimately, I, it didn't really grab my attention. It didn't really do it for me this film. I think I would give it if I can we do scores now or no we're not yeah, doing Sh- scores what the fuck Mark what are you trying to change the format oh you're such a fucking dick Mark you're a dickhead fuck no it's scores before in this first one didn't you yeah we haven't seen this mate yeah we haven't seen this mate get with the program Jesus you're such a dick Mark yeah, I, we, uh, we've now learned that Mark never listens to our podcast. Yeah, yeah, I, I, did, I did the first one. I tell you, okay. Just, I well, okay. Well, to be honest, I, I don't. I don't want to. I, I don't want to end it on Mark's uh, really um, <laughs> like negative comment. Andy, what, any any uh, comments you want to? Final comments you want to say about this film? Be positive. I think if you haven't seen this film, you need to watch it. It's very different. It's not a big blockbuster. It's. Um, you can take anything from this. Just listen, well, fucking hell, five geezers have just given you five different views on what this film's all about. So, um, yes, get yourself a drink, get yourself some popcorn, turn the lights off, tell the kids to fuck off, and put yeah. this on. Nice, all right. Cool, all right. So, the one word review, the one word review, the one word review from us to you. Except for Dave, who says, oh, so beautiful. 
just Andy, beautiful. what is your one word review? Lazarus. <laughs> Lazarus. <laughs> nice. What, uh, Dave, what's your one word review? Uh, Jay and Silent Bob strike back. <laughs> Cotton bud. <laughs> yeah, Cotton bud. <laughs> what, why have you said Jay and Silent Bob strike back? I don't, I don't, I don't know, because I can't... All right, um, this is really, really, really difficult to one word review for this film. I'm going to say emotional. Nice, okay. All right, so Kyle, what's your one word review? Sound. Okay. And uh, what the fuck uh, is that? <laughs> no, it's like you're not bothered at all, are you? And uh, and what about you, Mark? What is your one word review? Anxiety. My one word review is vulnerable. Oh, such a sweetie. <laughs> so, Shafi, following up from the wailing, Jalakatu, and all the other crazy shit you made me watch that I've enjoyed, what is your choice for the next podcast, please? So, Andy, you might not be uh, your choice because it's not oh, going to no. be as mad as the previous films. I thought oh, because God. because um, Mark picked quite a an emotional film, quite a deep, heavy film. I thought I'd switch it up a bit, and um, instead, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick one of my favorite action films of all time. So, Holy shit! Oh yes, gonna... yes, 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 yes. He's going to fucking cream his pants here. Is it Streets of Fire? Is it no. Enemy of the State? No. <laughs> That's fucking okay. amazing, man. Is it Miami so, Connection? No. <laughs> okay, so is, is this film? So it's a film called True Lies. <laughs> that was nineties, right? That was nineties. I don't fucking know. I don't know anything about film. Finally, four. So, so it's a film called Eastern Condors. Yeah, Condors. Fine, right now, the thing is, I've been I've been talking to Kyle about I've been talking to Kyle about this that you're not I don't think you can find this on a streaming platform, but I've got it on Blu-ray. So, I think um, me and Kyle are in the poster. Kyle, <laughs> 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 Kyle, definitely is. Guy with curtains and Carlos is the guy with the red fucking headband. <laughs> and can please. we watch this at someone's house in Jersey together? Yeah, so that's my choice, Eastern Condors. Um, Hope you guys right. enjoy it, uh, Mark. Have you enjoyed your time here? Yeah, no. really enjoyable. It's <laughs> nice to see everyone's faces again. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mark, for uh, joining us uh, tonight. Uh, hope you enjoyed, even though you didn't <laughs> enjoy the film. And but, um, I, I really enjoyed the film. So um, yes, thanks for coming along, Mark. Would you care to tell the? viewers how to get in touch with us please sure um please send any questions comments praise hate mail or one word reviews to the popcorn post bag at who dropped the popcorn at gmail.com or like follow harass us on twitter at who popcorn or on instagram at who drops the popcorn you can also leave a review on your podcast app and please remember to like and subscribe you've been listening to who dropped the popcorn we really appreciate it see you soon Cheers, bye. Cheers, Cheers. 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 Cheers.